Hello and welcome to the very first We Are Perth podcast. We've partnered with the new home of Scottish football fan media, The Twelfth Man, to bring a fresh stream of Saints-related content to our readers. For the first time in We Are Perth's 15-year history, that'll include an occasional podcast, starting today with a look ahead to Thursday's game against Aberdeen. I'm Jamie Bateson and today I was joined by Don's fan and Twelfth Man contributor Glenn Schroeder over Zoom to chat about the upcoming match. Okay, so I think the, the, the best place we can start this conversation is just what is going on at Aberdeen just now? You've had this, um, this crisis with coronavirus, um, you know, much like the rest of the world that's hit home with Scottish football, and Aberdeen seem to have been the team that have had the, the biggest issue so far. Obviously, that led to the postponement of the game earlier this month, and there's still fallout coming from that. How, how, how have you viewed that as an Aberdeen fan? Um, well, obviously, coronavirus has affected a lot of people throughout the country and world. So to hear it hit home and affect um, Scottish football was was never nice. Um, obviously, affecting my team being Aberdeen, um, just as Scottish football got back up and running, was kind of a bitter a bitter blow, um, and it's obviously affected our season. Um, it's been quite disappointing um, seeing so many players, senior players at that as well, named in amongst the eight, the likes of Craig Bryson and Johnny Hayes, players that I thought might have kind of had a bit better know-how about themselves in handling themselves in public. Um, and obviously that's kind of led to potential selection issues ahead of Thursday's game and also has given us more selection issues potentially with a, a fixture build-up now that our European campaign starts next week as well. Yeah, I think that's um, the, the big thing uh, for Saints is, you know, we were kind of hoping when it looked like the game was going to go ahead that we were going to get to play this vastly weakened Aberdeen side. And actually, if anything, since then, with Edmondson getting injured, you're even weaker right now than you would have been. But these players are now back in training with, uh, I assume, Cosgrove still out. So you might still have that, that um, headache up front. But um, it, it seems like you might still be able to put out something approaching your, your best 11 on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, certainly what you've touched on there about up front, I, I certainly feel we're quite light um, in attacking options and certainly against Saints in the past who like to sit in against us. Um, they'll be interesting to see how we line up and break break ourselves down. But um, I did feel a bit sorry for Saints and potentially Hamilton as well with you know them looking forward to facing a weaker Aberdeen side. And now, um, like you've touched on now, we have these players back in training. I think the training only resumed yesterday, so how fit they're going to be on Thursday remains to be seen. And certainly, I think as the game goes on, um, you know, towards like the last 15, 20 minutes, maybe we'll see match fitness come into it and Saints who've had three games under their belts now maybe prevail in that, in that respect. I guess that's the question, isn't it? Is that these guys that have been at home for the last couple of weeks they they won't have been able to get out even running it's all going to have been I guess kind, kind of some conditioning work that they can do in the house is all they've going to have been able to do and um, they might get a couple of days uh, you know on the training pitch before the game but um, you know it's, it's I, I've always seen McInnes as a, a fairly cautious manager a guy who plans things out certainly when he was at Saints and obviously his career with Aberdeen maybe bears that out so you know will he want to chuck these guys straight back in I mean, it's very hard to tell. And I think for, from my perspective, what, what I can actually see happening here is that Aberdeen get a few of these guys back into the team. We play an Aberdeen team that's kind of a mishmash of 
guys who are half fit, guys who are fully fit, guys who haven't trained for two weeks, guys who have. It, it'll be a tough game no matter what. I think um, even the backup Aberdeen team, there's a lot of good players in there. Uh, but what I can see happening is you get to next week when you've got the disciplinary hearings come up, they all get suspended, and then someone else who's not had their fixtures dicked around um, gets, a, gets a shot of that, that, um, that weaker team. So, you know, it's, it's very up in the air um, how, how this is all going to play out. But um, the, the other factor you've got as well is you've uh, brought in uh, Ross McCrory from Rangers just in the last, uh, last 24 hours. Um, where do you see him fitting into this Aberdeen team? Yeah, it's an interesting point you make about McInnes' cautiousness as well and, and where, where we'll develop that starting lineup. But I think that the addition of McCrory, that might counteract you know, some of the players. There was quite a lot of midfielders that were out and about in, in town on that Saturday night. So McCrory, I think, will fit in well into our team. It's another young Scottish midfielder. The Scotland under-21 captain plays alongside Lewis Bergs in the international level and now joins up with him at club level as well. Um, I would like to see him kind of fit in in the defensive midfield role that Ferguson had played in on the opening day of the season, um, thus allowing Lewis Ferguson to kind of push forward more. I felt he didn't really have much influence on the game. So I think as well, McInnes spoke about uh, McCrory's versatility. Um, obviously, we're a bit short in centre-halves if McKenna can't play on Thursday. Devlin, like you've mentioned, is already injured. Um, Constantine's obviously suspended. Will Hayes feature at left-back or not? Will, will we draft somebody else in? Um, we'll sign Tommy Hogan as well, who's had a bit of previous with long-term injury. So maybe he's viewing McCrory as a potential defensive cover as well with this long uh, run of games coming up. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, as far as McCrory goes, I, I am slightly dubious about, and I shouldn't say this when he's going to play against us in two days' time, I, I'm slightly dubious about just what, what his level of quality is. He just strikes me as being one of these guys who's come to the youth system at an old firm side, been hyped up, he's played some first-team football, He's had a couple of good performances, no doubt, uh, in a Rangers shirt. But then last season, he was at Portsmouth playing League One down south. Mm-hmm. Only managed to play half their games. Um, I don't know if there was injury involved in that or if it was um, solely down to the manager's preference. But, you know, we, we've had plenty of these guys over the years that, that have come into Saints and, uh, you know, been guys that have come on loan or have left us. A big club and you thought oh they're going to be brilliant and they they kind of sink without trace after all I mean, think of Tony Ralston last season and yeah. everyone's seen the picture of him playing for uh, for Celtic um, up against Neymar and you know giving it big licks against him and lo- looking good and suddenly he comes to St Johnston and it, it turns out that the way he played football at Celtic doesn't fit in with the way you have to play at a team further down the pecking order um, and he turned out to be incredibly rash as a defender. Um, had some qualities. I would, I, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been upset if we'd gotten back this season. I think we could have developed him further. But he, um, he came in and spent a lot of time uh, diving into positions that he should never have been in and leaving us exposed. Where a, a, a more experienced head, the likes of Richard Foster, who, who had his own issues with being rash, um, as you'll know, uh, having seen him over the years. 
Um, but, but for the manager as well. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he he, he had uh, he was known as a hothead, but his, he was a, a good defender. He was positionally sound. He linked well with the uh, with Dre Wright in particular in front of him last season or the season before when Wright came in. Um, and you know, you do do you really want a an old firm youth player that's come dropping down a level? I don't know. I mean, he's still a young guy, McCrory. He um, he may well under under McInnes start to come good. So I think McInnes gets a lot of stick off people, but I think he's done well with the likes of Lewis Ferguson um, mm-hmm. coming in and uh, and giving them game time and you know helping the development of these players. So it'll be interesting to see how that one works out. Anyway, it's, it's, there's always a thing with these guys that come from Rangers and Celtic that they are the next big thing. But if they were the next big thing they would probably stay at Rangers and Celtic. But well, I think it says a lot about McCrory as well, having that desire to actually leave the club and, and seek game time. He could have just been happy sitting on the bench at Rangers and biding his time there. So hopefully, yeah. you know, the desire from him to come out and want to play, we we reap the reward of that starting on Thursday. Well, well yeah, the... the, the the attitude's always a big thing for a lot of these guys, isn't it? Because uh, you know, if they come, come, they've probably from the age of fourteen been told, "Yeah, you're you're in the Celtic or the Rangers youth system, you're the man." And they get through to the under twenty ones and whatever, and they get into the first team squad, and they just, you know, if if they've got the the brain power to say, "Okay, you know, I, I okay, I'm not going to play for Rangers now, but I can go and develop as a player," and you know, play at a high level, then then that's what you're looking for. Um, the, the other thing I'm, I'm keen to know from yourself going into a game against Saints is just how, how Aberdeen uh, fans view this St. Johnston team. I mean, there's been, um, there's been quite a few good games in the last few years between Saints and Aberdeen. We've had a few good wins at Pataudry. We've taken a, a couple of doings at home. Um, there's been some high-scoring games. Um, there, I think there was a 4-3 at McDermott Park. Um, our 5-1 win up at Pataudry, which uh, I'm gutted to say that I wasn't at. Um, oh, I didn't stay to the end of that game. Half-time was enough for me that day. Uh, well, I, I'd, I'd, I'd been invited for a weekend away with some friends and thought, you know what, well, we're playing up at Pataudry. I can't see us getting much out of it. I'm going to go. Off I went. Yeah. And uh, I was sitting there outside the Loch Ness and my phone going 1-0, 2-0. No, this hasn't happened. 5-1, I just... Uh, you know, out of this world, and you know, I'd love to think we could repeat that on Thursday. But um, what 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 do do you, as an Aberdeen fan, make of this current St Johnston team? Who who do you see as the danger men? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, you've, you've touched on um, kind of the results that you guys have had against us in recent times. I was kind of doing a bit of research before um, joining you this this afternoon, and you know, we've only actually beaten you once in our last fit, six fixtures, um, which I actually didn't realise it was that bad. And you kind of developed into a bit of a bogey side for Aberdeen. Um, but yeah, you've unbeaten in three against Aberdeen, and like I said, we've only got one win in six. So you kind of seem to have the reading of how to set up against Aberdeen and kind of the better of us. I think in the last game at uh, McDermott Park, we were really unlucky with, you know, didn't take our chances that day. And obviously, I think it was two red cards you guys had. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think obviously we should have been doing better. But, you know, you've got a new manager in, in Callum Davidson this, this year. Um, the defence for me is a bit unknown surrounding St. Johnson, but I still like, you know, the midfield up to attack. O'Halloran is in there, causes lots of problems. Obviously, Stevie May, what's he going to do this season? Um, we had him at Aberdeen, 
didn't really do much, kind of never recovered from the little uh, injury he picked up. Um, but I also like quite like the Callum Henry. He seems quite a live wire up top, causing a lot of problems. And from what I saw against Kilmarnock, he did almost everything but put the ball in, in the back of the net. And I just fear that probably his time will come to do that on Thursday. It's kind of how these things work. And then in your last win at Pataudry, the kind of standout player for me was uh, young Ali McCann, a player that I think has got huge potential. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how he dictates. Obviously, you've got uh, David Watherspoon as well. He didn't start on um, Saturday, but came on and, and scored. Whether he was being rested with a view to start on Thursday night uh, remains to be seen. So you've certainly got some experience in, in the team, blended in with some youth and a new manager obviously trying to implement his ideas. So I think with Saints, you never know what you're going to get um, apart from a steady, hard-to-break-down team. So certainly Thursday will be a challenging game for us. Um, I'd like to think we could win the game, but I'm going to say it'll end up in a draw. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing that's um, it's one of the big unknowns for Saints fans going into this season is just how how things would change with the change of management. You know, we we knew what Tommy Wright was about. He could um, spring some surprises here and there, but you, you often thought that once he got the better of another manager, once he figured out how to set up against another team, he really hammered home that advantage. He did it with Dundee United with uh, under Jackie McNamara. Um, you know, and I, was, I, I wasn't actually aware of just how good our record against Aberdeen was uh, recently, but... Um, you know, maybe he, Tommy Wright, had um, started to get the better of Derek McInnes and had figured out how to how to play him and how to play his team. Um, and that led to those results. And, you know, from our perspective, um, the question was whether with Callum Davidson coming in, would we lose that fighting spirit that marked Tommy Wright's team out? Would we lose the structure? And it kind of looks like at the moment, we've definitely, we're setting up in a different way. We're setting up in a different formation and a different tactical setup. But the way we played against Dundee United and against Kilmarnock um, shows that we've not lost that, that, you know, underdog spirit, coming from behind spirit. You know, at Dundee United, we went a goal down, we lost a man, we came back and drew the game one all. Um, at Kilmarnock, we um, went a goal behind this time it was Kelly that went down to 10 men, but we kept going right to the very end and O'Halloran scores the winner with pretty much the last kick of the game. So it's good to see that that, you know, is still going through the team. I think you talk about the blend of youth and experience. We've got, as you say, Wotherspoon, we've got Liam Craig in there. Guys yeah. have been around for a while. Even O'Halloran, you know, we brought him in as a young guy, but he's been in two spells now at Saints for quite a long time. Um, and is kind of one of the more senior players now. Um, and you, you hope that they're instilling that on the younger players, the likes of Ali McCann, who you've mentioned there. Um, you know, I think uh, if you mention Ali McCann to any Saints fan, they, they'll get very excited because he's, uh, you know, we, we've had some good prospects over the years, but he's last season was about as good a prospect as you'll see for such a young guy. 19 turning 20 during the season to um to just show such a complete set of skills as a midfielder um has been really pleasing and he's going to be the you know I think he's actually already been seen as a, by other teams as a guy that they have to get on top of early um but even despite that he still manages to find himself being absolutely integral to what we do 
Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll be looking for a big performance out of him, especially if he's coming up against the likes of Lewis Ferguson. And, you know, that's not a, a bad thing for the Scottish Premiership, having two young, um, homegrown talents like that coming up against each other um, yeah. and see who comes out on top. Um, it's, it's a very interesting game, especially with all the, um, all the stuff that's gone before and uh, surrounded the build-up to it. So hopefully, um, you know, the, the match itself lives up to the expectations. The only worry I've got is that Sky Sports picks so far this season have been absolutely rubbish. They've been awful. So we could be in for a, a bit of a damp squib and a nil-nil on uh, Thursday. Um, I hope not. I hope we see a, um, a good performance from both teams. Obviously, I hope Saints come out on top. But... Um, Hope for a few goals. Um, would you care to put a prediction on the line? Yeah, I think what you've said there is is right. I mean, hopefully, you know, we do get goals. But I think as Aberdeen fans, you know, we've been starved of football for what's that coming? By the time the game comes around, it'll be like nineteen days. So, I'm not saying we would take a, a damp squib nil nil, but you know, we would certainly just be happy to see the football back on the screen. Um, my prediction, I'm going to say, disappointingly, I'm going to say 1-1, just because I think there's so many variables just surrounding the Aberdeen team just now, unknown on how we're going to set up for the game. And I just think we'd looked a bit leggy against Rangers um, throughout. I thought our midfield was really poor. We lacked a lot of ideas up front. And obviously, we're, we're carrying into this game with limited striking opportunities and not had a game for, like I said, 19 days now. So I think Saints and uh, will have that match fitness, and like you've also touched on as well, that fighting spirit, it's something that's been quite predominant in Saints teams that they never give up. So even if we were to, if Aberdeen took the lead, we won't see Saints just give up. They do fight. So, yeah, I'm going to say 1-1. What about yourself? Um, I don't generally make predictions, but I'll say that I think a score draws probably... Uh probably, you know, it, it sounds like it's just about right. Um, you know, I, I, I very rarely would predict Saints to beat a team that would generally finish higher up the table than us, um, and especially when there's circumstances around it that would favour Saints. You know, Aberdeen are coming into this on the back of a lot of issues that surely would favour Saints, who have started to get a couple of games under the belt, have got their first <laughs> win, um, you, you would hope that we would take a bit of confidence knowing that Aberdeen are in a bit of bother. However, whenever things like that happens, we tend to blow it. So I, I, I wouldn't like to predict anything more than that. I draw, one thing I do wonder for Aberdeen, though, is um, just looking at the league table there, you've played one game, you're on zero points. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think they're, you know, say it does end in a draw and um, you then play two on one point, Hibs are then sitting eight points ahead of you in second. That's kind of the end of the table you want to be fighting at. Do you think there, there ends up being a, a bit of scoreboard pressure on you already at this stage of the season to try and, you know, cut the cut the gap and get, get back up the table to where you expect to be? Yeah, and I think that's been kind of the issue with the, the games being postponed now, that the, there will be, like you say, scoreboard pressure put on Aberdeen throughout the season. You know, Saints have got three points on the board already, or four, sorry, I think it is. Um, so, you know, we're already behind yourselves, um, actually we're behind everybody but Hamilton just now, So, and that's only on goal difference. Um, so we will certainly be looking to climb the table, but 
like you said, teams like probably Saints, Livingston on Sunday even, will look to come and frustrate Aberdeen because they know that we'll want to be up at the, suppose, right end of the table fighting for those European spots. And, well, you know, some of us would like us to be fighting for the title as well, but that's maybe another story. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that will certainly come into effect um, over the, the coming weeks when, with the European games coming in for Aberdeen, um, where those those other fixtures against Hamilton and, and Celtic get, get played, certainly scoreboard pressure will will be a factor. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting the way it'll play out, isn't it? And, uh, you know, these things often happen, you know, maybe you get to Christmas time, there's games get called off due to the weather and whatever. It's, it's very unusual for you to be three games behind, you know, halfway through August. And, you know, we'll hear a lot of that about Celtic, you know, having to claw back the gap on Rangers. That's how it's going to be portrayed. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it, it must be the same for the likes of Aberdeen having to try and close a gap. Um, you know, and uh, it's di- I guess it's different for Celtic if they've got, you know, games in hand against Hamilton, Saints, whoever else, teams down the table. They will expect to blow them away and win 3 nothing and claw back that six-point gap, whatever it is. For the likes of Aberdeen, if your game's away at St Johnston, it's it's an opportunity to go away and take three points. It's not a you know it's not a turn up and roll over the home side and go home with three points kind of scenario. So yeah, I think I think as well like in the in these obviously current times as well games like tomorrow night Aberdeen don't have the crowd to rely on. Obviously Saints won't as well, but you know that bit of like siege mentality from the Aberdeen fans you know right we've done wrong everybody was against us let's get behind the team and spur them on to victory you know we won't have that similarly Saints fans won't have um be able to cheer on uh, their team so in these sort of games that you're speaking about where the pressure comes from the table as well there's not that added um, momentum coming from the stands either. So it'll be interesting to see how the players deal with that when you know games aren't going their way as expected. And I do feel that did have a massive impact on the opening day for us. 1-0 down at home to Rangers, you know, 10 minutes to go. That's that's the sort of situation where the crowd tries and gets behind the team and gives them that little bit of extra going into the final 10. Obviously, we're missing that just now and everyone is. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the, the impact of that as the season goes on because that'll be a, a you know a, a wider thing. It does, does it impact when you when you go to Ibrox or Celtic Park? How mm-hmm. how you know those games go? You know, I think we maybe midweek, not midweek at the weekend there um, when we played Rangers. Uh, you know, Liam Gordon went in for a pretty brutal tackle on a, a Rangers player, and if that had been with 50,000 screaming Rangers fans, the pressure on the ref to pull out the red card would have been enormous. I think it was a terrific challenge. I don't think it deserved even a booking. I, I personally thought that was an absolutely acceptable tackle. But, um, yeah, yeah uh, as others would disagree. But, you know, that's, that's how that, it's small margins like that that games will change no, totally. on, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that is, that is going to be the, the impact of no crowds. You're, you're totally right. Right, I think we'll wrap that up there. Glenn, uh, Glenn, thank you for joining me this afternoon. That's been our first uh, We Are Perth podcast and um, hopefully it's all gone very well and people will enjoy listening to it. I'm sure we'll speak to you again as the season goes on. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the very first We Are Perth podcast and we hope to be able to do more of these as the season goes on. If you want to keep to date with all our new content, follow us on Twitter at WAP 
1884. And please also follow the 12th man at 12th man XII. That's the word 12th man XII. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you again soon.